Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 88. All the fear of being out of control or losing control or the fear of winning or losing or all that sort of stuff, it just dissipates. And we kind of find this like fluidity of of movement we find this sort of ease to our performance and it's slightly unusual than than normal um and it kind of allows us to kind of just go with our intuition hit it that's what i'm talking about wait okay now from the beginning hit it boys welcome to the art of awesome my name is nick troutman and i'm a professional athlete entrepreneur family man and adventure seeker My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, so we've got another phenomenal interview. But before we dive into that, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has found value in this show, who has left us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app, as as that is the best way that helps us kind of get into the algorithm to share this out to more people and again just greatly appreciated so if you guys have found value out of this episode past episodes um i i please uh encourage you guys if you guys could just leave us a rating and review it would be greatly appreciated by me and it would go a long way so please do that for me Though, let's dive into today's interview because it's another really fun interview and I get to talk with an amazing guy, but also a topic that I just truly love as today we were talking all about flow. I got to speak with none other than Cameron Norsworthy. He is a coach, keynote, and TEDx speaker, as well as PhD doctor, author, and founder and CEO of The Flow Center. And today we talk all about flow, about how to rewire our brain and our mind to tap into flow easier, more quickly, um, as well as kind of like what is going on in our brains and in our mind that take us out of the flow state and into the choke state or or I don't know if you want to call it failure or falter or what, but when we kind of get into our own minds in a negative way. So we talk all about that. Honestly, there's so much that we talk about flow here and Cameron is extremely knowledgeable in the flow state. He's been studying this for years, obviously has his PhD in this and has written several books. Honestly, uh, Cameron, you know, very knowledgeable in flow state. So I think you guys are going to find a ton of value out of this. I myself found a ton of value. And the cool thing about the flow state is it's not just for athletes. It's not just applicable to athletics. 
this can be used in everything in life as you can, you know, get into the flow state, whether you're cooking, whether you're painting, whether you're, you know, making music, whether you're in a relationship. There's so many different ways that the flow state can be tapped into. So just uh, being able to tap into it more frequently and on a deeper level to me is extremely valuable. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it and get a lot of value out of this. So let's wait no longer and jump right into it. Here is Cameron Norsworthy. Cameron, thank you so very much for joining me here on The Art of Awesome. My pleasure. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, Cameron, you are a coach, a keynote speaker, and TED Talk speaker as well, um, and founder and CEO of The Flow Center. And we actually met, uh, I don't know, years years previous uh, talking about flow and, and your studies there as well. But let's kind of go back to the beginning a little bit, and could you kind of just explain a little bit how you got into the study of flow and optimal performance? Sure. Yeah, I used to play tennis internationally for England as a junior and and got injured and wasn't too happy about that <laughs> and went backpacking and to try and kind of find new direction and all the rest of it. And I met this, you know, random experience, random places in um, Cusco and in Peru. And I was walking up the street and I met this busker who was completely in his zone, right? And I was kind of drawn to every single note. I was hanging on every single note. And my perspective was he had a, a tough life and a difficult position and was busking for money, you know, possibly to pay for food, whatever. Um, and the, the more I'd kind of looked at this busker, the, I realized that he was playing with two amputated arms and he was playing the harmonica with two stumps. And I was, I was in awe of the, like the creativity and the innovation and, and more than that, I was, I was completely gobsmacked with the way that they were, he was completely in his best moment. You know, the whole world didn't exist. He was committed to every single note and he could have been playing in the Royal Albert Hall or, you know, anywhere. And he was having his greatest moment. And for me, the penny kind of dropped then personally was like, wow, you know, I've had to quit tennis because of elbow injuries and I've still got my arms and actually that's what I miss I miss those moments where I was so in the zone and and everything was just happening happening effortlessly and fluidly and and uh, and I suddenly realized that actually I didn't miss hitting a thousand tennis balls or living out of a suitcase <laughs> what I missed was those moments where I would get so absorbed I would hit these shots and I'd be surprised by what my body had just done. I'd be like, wow, how, how, how did you do that arm? You know? Um, and, uh, and so then I became fascinated as well. Okay, hang on. Maybe if that's what I missed from tennis, maybe I can find that elsewhere. And so I started to look at other sports and got into surfing and, and so forth. And then I thought, wow, okay, well, is this just me or what's going on here? And so then I went to study sports psychology and, and found that people have been studying this sort of peak state for, you know, 30, 40 years at the time. And, uh, and so I then I think I wrote my first dissertation on it back in sort of 2000 and really fell in love with it, but also just completely fascinated by you know what is this state why can sometimes we find it easily 
and other times we we struggle to get back there or we you know we kind of we want it but the more we want it the further it kind of <laughs> disappears from our grasp and and for a lot of athletes that that state you know is really what the, is the difference between what puts them on the podium or not you know or what makes that event special or not or what makes a training um routine fun and interesting and rewarding and we want to go back and do it again and again and again and again and again and a hundred times over because we want to kind of get back to that sweet spot and uh and, and so i i sort of thought a good i guess footprint for me to leave behind when i closed my eyes for the last time is to leave a trail of of evidence and a trail of thought and a trail of signposts so other people who might have been in my position can kind of pick it up and practically kind of use it in in their life and it's it doesn't sort of stay this sort of mysterious weird state that if we talk about it it might disappear or you know a lot of athletes sort of know it intuitively but don't like to talk about it um, because they they feel they might lose it um, and uh, and so I'm keen to kind of open people's eyes to it and help people understand it and um, and really kind of implement it in their in their day to day. That's awesome. And and I love how I don't know how, how you mentioned that you found flow in tennis, but then how you realized that it wasn't just the hitting the tennis balls, it was the flow state that you love. And when you said that I immediately just thought to myself, like I love kayaking. I, I love the whole experience. I love being in nature and all that stuff. But then I'm I'm also realizing yeah, there is something about that flow state, though, because I also love cooking. I love painting. I love running. I mean, it's all these different things that it's really the flow state. I mean, trust me, there are other aspects of kayaking that I'm sure that I love that only kayaking can give me. But a lot of what I really a lot of that joy is is really just that flow state that I'm that I'm seeking. Um, and that's kind of that feeling that I'm, that I'm looking for. And you can find it in so many different things in music. I mean, people, people get lost in the flow state in, in all sorts of different, you know, atmospheres. Um, can you explain just a little bit of how, or, or maybe what you would define as the flow state? Because I remember when we first talked years ago, I think maybe you were asking me about, you know, my experiences in the flow state and, and I was like, yeah, no, I've definitely experienced the flow state for sure. And then you were explaining like, well, well, what is the flow state and not? And it was like, it was so hard for me to put words to it. Like I, I knew there was like, there was this feeling, do you know what I mean? Like when I'm at my, my best or when I'm in this like peak performance, but to explain it to someone is kind of hard to put in words sometimes. Are, are Do you have a definition? Are you able to kind of explain to, to our listeners maybe like what you would define the flow state as? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of my PhD was to do just that, to sort of simplify flow. And, you know, what we came up with was this intrinsically rewarding state of absorption in which our control feels effortless right and that might sound a bit technical but um you know put simply we um we we become absorbed you know and that leads to this kind of these notions of time kind of slows down or or speeds up or and we lose like self-consciousness the world around us melts we become sort of so absorbed in the moment 
you know, which is one kind of like pillar of the experience, but we can kind of be absorbed watching a movie, right? And yeah. not be in an optimal state of functioning, or we can be absorbed in a chemical high and, you know, on drugs or whatever, and, and not be in a state of optimal functioning. So then another really important aspect is this sort of effortless control. So there's a high sense of control, but it's not this kind of like forced, I'm making it happen. There's this kind of conscious um, will that's, that's putting this performance and control into place. You know, kind of more aptly, it's sort of like this, all the fear of being out of control or losing control or the fear of winning or losing or all that sort of stuff, just, it just dissipates. And we kind of find this like fluidity of, of movement. We find this sort of ease to our performance and it's slightly unusual than, than normal. Um, and it kind of allows us to kind of just go with our intuition. You know, we're not second guessing anything and, uh, and it just, just feels a little bit easier or a little bit more effortless than normal. So when that kind of like absorption comes together and that kind of effortless comes together, then that's kind of like flow, right? And from a more like academic perspective, there's this last bit, which is this intrinsic reward, um, which kind of allows it to continue, allows that kind of deep concentration and that attention to continue and allows the effortlessness to con continue um you know but we, and equally you know we we could be effortless playing you know like i play with my kids all the time and and i'm playful but i might not have that deep absorption and that deep sort of focus on the task and so i kind of um you know i'm not in flow but i'm having a good time you know just sort of playing and being effortless yeah and uh so it's really you know to kind of really simplify those two that kind of high effortless control and that absorption need to sort of come together to kind of make it happen and that that's kind of what separates it from from being playful from deep other deep states of concentration you know other peak experiences where we might be feeling high and fantastic and um but not applying ourselves optimally um or other areas of peak performance where we you know we're achieving results and ticking boxes but we know we're kind of falling short of our our sort of personal best if you like and uh you know so it doesn't mean that flow doesn't overlap with play and doesn't overlap with other stuff or peak experiences you know some of my most memorable flow moments have <laughs> certainly been peak experiences um but it just it helps to kind of like separate it from other stuffs and that way by separating it and identifying it we can kind of understand it better and then reverse engineer it better and um and build build it into our life and our training and so forth that's awesome. You said something in there about about intuition and about how that kind of having that intuition kick in a little bit can be one of the components of flow. Um, I'm assuming when you're saying that 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 you're also referring to that almost. I I like to think of it as like the subconscious kicking in. Is is that kind of the same thing that you're referring to, where that subconscious part of the mind is almost like starting to take control? Um, ish. Or is that different? Um, uh, it, it's, it, it, the subconscious is like a com <laughs> complex area because we actually have like two unconsciouses in our brains, right? We have two operating systems, one developed from our more like animal self, 
you know, and and that has an unconscious and uh, and store is like a database if you like of all our actions and so forth and then we have like the implicit system which separates us from other animals and or at least the the advancement of it and allows us to like think consciously be self-reflective and um come up with things like science and coexist and you know we we as as adults and as kids growing up we sort of develop it in schools and use it to learn and and that has its own unconscious. So, um, you know, it's, yes, it sort of, we become less conscious, um, you know, in flow. Like I, I'm often saying, you know, think less, trust more, right? Or, and, you know, most of the time, it's our thinking that, our conscious thinking that kind of gets in the way. You know, we might, you know, you mentioned um, cooking, you know and we might be cooking and then we suddenly think oh but it doesn't need a bit more salt or should it be in five minutes longer or I've got another pan here do I need to start it and we're so often consumed by those thoughts second guessing calculating projecting into the future thinking about what happened in the past trying to gather intelligence and all that kind of thinking experience and when we're in flow you know, all that stuff, all that calculation kind of happens, but it sort of happens way in the background, you know, and we're not really kind of attached to that thinking. We're just kind of doing, you know, there's this sort of merging of being and doing, and we just, we just do, we just trust, we just go with our intuitive action. And, um, and so we become, we don't become unconscious, but there's this sort of our normal conscious awareness that we, to live our life of you know thinking and then doing how do I how do I look if I do this or you know a lot of us are kind of not overly self-conscious but we're constantly be sort of just referencing and framing what we're what we're doing how am I looking to others how is this perceived or all of that's kind of gone out the window so there is this kind of it does feel like our kind of supercomputer if you like has taken over um, and our more conscious sort of orientated way of being is is kind of is gone. Yeah, I, I remember actually <clears throat> when uh, when we were doing some some flow state coaching classes together, and actually that the photo behind you is is me racing at the North Fork Championships. Yeah, and I remember you know going through the the kind of the coaching that you had helped me with, and and kind of really trying to optimize myself into an environment to, to be able to tap into flow right before the race. And I'm going through the race and everything just seems to be going really well. I'm having great lines. Everything's going easy. And, and, and I can feel that I'm in this flow state. And then I get through the hardest, through the crux. And I'm like, I can see the finish line. And it, it's pretty gentle, like pretty easy water for the most part from like where I was to the finish line. And my conscious mind or my thinking kicked in and I'm like, sweet, now's the time to like paddle super hard and you can win this thing. Like now just like paddle really hard and go, go, go. And and I started sprinting and paddling and thinking. And then I like smashed into the finish line and hit it with my paddle and like almost missed the finish line, first of all, but hit it and got like a five second penalty and, and essentially like ruined my race run in the last little bit by just like thinking more like it, it up to that point like everything had been going so good and then some for some reason 
my like conscious mind kicks in is like, oh, I should start like interrupting now because I don't know why. But but once I start thinking, there's no no question that my performance definitely wasn't nearly as good. Um, and so I, I guess I I can clearly you know understand how your your concept of thinking less, doing more. But how do we how do we keep that conscious mind from kicking in? How do we how do we think less? Yeah, really good question. And um, I, I think there's multiple ways I can kind of answer this, but our brain, first of all, is, is accepting that thinking less is kind of impossible. You know, like our brain, uh, the, you know, the front area of it is designed to think like a popcorn machine is designed to make popcorn, right? And every, if you imagine every, every piece of popcorn is a thought. You know, it, it's going to keep popping popcorn minute after minute, you know, 70,000 thoughts a day. Da, 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 da. The difference is, is whether we choose to like eat that popcorn and engage with it or whether we just allow that those thoughts just to be produced, be produced, be produced and focus our kind of attention elsewhere, you know, and and, you know, like a very simple exercise is like I might be thinking now about what I'm going to say next. I wasn't, but now that I'm thinking, I'm thinking and my performance has got clunky. Um, but my experience now is in my thoughts, right? But I can easily now take my experience to what the chair feels like underneath me, right? Or what it feels like to kind of click my fingers or what it feels like to pinch myself. And, you know, here I'm bringing up the sense of pain and, or I can bring up the sense of smell. And um, in any given moment, you know, let's say we've got 100% bandwidth, right? Our attention, our awareness has got 100%. It's got like this capacity. And if, we're, if, if, our, if we fill that attention with thoughts, we're kind of choking our available bandwidth to do a particular task you know, you've done it hundreds of times. You, 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 you know what you're doing. You just got to let that body intuitively figure out the best way to do it or the best way to, to, to maneuver or the best line to take and given the current conditions and so forth. Um, so the more we kind of consciously think, first of all, that's using a really slow linear system. So our, our capability is going to be less, but we're kind of like choking our available bandwidth to place on the task at hand. And so, you know, therefore the information we can pick up is less so that we make worse decisions because we don't have all the information and, and so forth. And if we can think of it as, okay, well, if that's the case, what do I want to put my attention on? Um, we can kind of override, we can allow the thoughts just to kind of happen in the background. Um, and, uh, you know, I've spoken to plenty of monks who have, have spent decades trying to like, minimized thought right and it, it's it's kind of like a false illusion to think that we can just get rid of them but we can focus our awareness and our attention on more important things or more relevant things or so forth so you know when we're kayaking we can in that situation is quite a common one right you know we can imagine the the finish line is actually 50 meters beyond what it actually is or, you know, often with, um, 
you know, if it's like slalom kayaking or, or you've got a particular, um, or even if it's not, if there's a particular easy section, you know, we kind of switch off a little bit and then our thinking brain kind of switches on because if things are challenging and they're really challenging, all our attention is like on that task. But suddenly when things get easy, we don't need to put all our attention on that task. We can kind of, we've got time to think. So often it's kind of like, you know, beforehand thinking, okay, which areas are going to be the easy areas here and which ones do I need to kind of almost make difficult, you know, like pick the perfect line or, you know, try and enter it, you know, on, on, on the right or whatever. Um, so we, we're kind of absorbed with that task again. And the more we can kind of teach ourselves and lead ourselves to kind of become absorbed into that task and focus all our stuff externally, then, um, you know, then the, the less it's going to feel like the less thinking we're going to do. You know, and it, equally, like, you know, I, I work with all sorts of athletes in different sports, right? And like a common, a really good analogy, which everyone seems to get is this kind of basketball free throw scenario. You know, you're standing there and you've got all this time and you're, everyone's watching you and, and, and it's so easy to kind of go in internal and kind of think, feel the heartbeat sort of rise and be like, I better not miss. I better not mess up. This point's important. Da, 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 da. Um, and straight away, we've kind of, if you think about that attentional capacity again, we've kind of, we've gone internal and a percentage of that attention has kind of become internalized to try and get over the conflict that's happening within me. So if, if I can externalize it and kind of go, all I'm focusing on is that inch at the back of the rim. And I'm going to look at the texture and the color and that ball is going to hit that one inch right at the back of the rim and just, you know, just float it inside there. Then all my attention sort of like externalized onto that particular scenario rather than again, being consumed with our thoughts. Very interesting. So essentially you're, you're trying to, do extreme focus like on almost one point or one aspect or one move and and to do that you're you're trying to use where i guess the, the time and and the energy that we would have to bring up these other thoughts you're going to use that to then focus on this like laser focus point um and i i guess naturally have you read the book um the rise of super the rise of Superman, I think is what it's called. And so in, in that book, they talk a lot about extreme sports and, and, um, and how in those extreme sports, it's easier to kind of find that flow state, or at least that that's kind of what that study was about a little bit. Um, do you think that's because in those moments that are more extreme versus maybe like a, a free throw shot, your, your body is, is saying, well, we can't think about other thoughts because nothing else is more important than this moment exactly right now. Um, and therefore, what you're trying to do in a moment that's, say, less extreme, like a free throw, you're trying to to kind of almost mimic that same thing by telling the brain nothing is more important than this moment right now, and so we're going to focus 100% energy on that rim versus 
the crowd and, you know, what I'm thinking about or how important is this shot or all these different thoughts that, that could start popping up. Am I somewhere close there? Yeah, absolutely. Like when you're dropping a waterfall, it's so intense that your, you know, your brain isn't focused on the movie you saw last night, right? Or it's not focused on (laughs) the, the relationship issue I've got with my partner or, you know, it's like, it's focused on the the texture of the water and the color variation, because you know, that means whether it's thick or thin or, you know, uh, the, the temperature and, and, and what that means in terms of how quickly the water's coming up and, you know, we might not be consciously aware of these things, but our, our body's sort of picking up on all these minutiae in order to kind of make um, decisions in, in microseconds. So we're, um, we're, there's so much information there. And in any given moment, there is so much rich information. But ordinarily, we're kind of oblivious to it. You know, we just kind of pick up the sort of the summaries or the highlights. Or, But when there's like a pressure cooker or when there's danger or when there's importance there's you know we suddenly kind of go we like lift up the hood we take off that summary layer and we look at the detail and in looking at that detail we're able to see more we're able to get better information and therefore we're able to make quicker decisions better decisions and and so forth and um and more importantly in terms of like our performance we've got less noise you know there's less distraction things are clearer there's less ambiguity um and so we're able to kind of just 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 do and just be and just respond you know how in in the best way possible and so, yes. And, you know, when we look at, you know, from a, I guess, more scientific or academic point of view, what leads us into flow is kind of quite clear that there's these like two avenues, right? There's this um, high motivation, right? And it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, in an ideal world, it's like pure intrinsic motivation, you know, where we become so inspired by what we're doing so passionate by what we're doing we're just we're in it you know and and i'm sure everyone can identify with that or they've seen someone so inspired that they just sort of end up in flow and generally speaking those people who are more intrinsically motivated in what they do will experience more flow and um but equally you can be running away from the police uh, which is quite extrinsically motivated and run up a building or run up a, a, a leap of fence. And you go back the next day and you're like, how on earth did I get over that fence? Um, you know, so I guess in terms of flow, what's important is that there's a high motivation and there's loads and loads of levers and sort of fun uh, sort of practical skills that we can use to kind of increase our level of motivation, you know, and importance is one of them, right. Um, to sort of bring our attention back to that moment in a deep, in a deep way. And, and another way, you know, motivation, so motivation sort of one prong, if you like. And the other prong is this idea of, um, uh, challenge, which could easily be, uh, renamed as complexity. And as everyone knows from their own experience, when we've been challenged by something, be it a, a conversation 
right? Or be it a, um, a dangerous maneuver in a sport where our attention suddenly goes to that moment because our body and mind says, all available resources, this way, this way, <laughs> this way. Um, and, uh, and so if we can kind of, you know, create ways that we're highly challenged, then we can sort of maneuver our mind, our, our attention and all the rest of it towards um, that deep level absorption. But if there's too much challenge or too much difficulty or too much complexity or too much danger, we, we kind of, we overdo it, right? And we become anxious and over aroused and um, we start becoming distracted and avoidant and um, we lose that kind of sweet spot. And that's why, you know, from a more academic point of view, we call it like a, an optimal challenge because uh, we need to kind of find that, that sort of sweet spot. I like how you say that sweet spot because as you were just explaining all that, I'm just running through these various, um, you know, points of flow that I've had in, in my life and, and trying to compare the different ones. And one, it's, it's always been a very different feeling for a flow state, like running a waterfall versus a flow state competing in like a freestyle event. And, and I think part of that has to do with the more severity, like with danger. Um, and then I've also had various states in a in a freestyle competition in particular where like one of them um so when i when i won the world championships in tune i was in you know total bliss great flow state going into it i was just like in this peak optimal state even before the event happened i just like I, everything i just i literally felt in total bliss like like i couldn't do wrong like everything was just going to work out perfectly like that was in in my mental state going into it and then on the flip side, um, in going into the world championships in the finals in my hometown on the Ottawa, what was it, 2015, I fully choked everything. Now it was a very different state. Like I, I had won going in, uh, in, in the, um, in the semifinal round going into finals, I was in first place. And then it was just like, I was late getting to the finals because they, I was watching my wife and then they, they bumped the time up early for some reason. They're like, Oh, you're late. You got to get in the Yeti right now. And so then I'm kind of like getting this anxiety, this anxious feeling. And then I remember like, as I was dropping into the wave, they announced uh, my brother-in-law Dane score, which had been a new high score record of the event. Um, And, and as I'm dropping in, like I'm having these negative thoughts and internal thoughts, which, I shouldn't have been having at all, but, um, saying like, Oh, I can't beat that score. Oh, that like, whatever, whatever. And it was like the utter worst performance ever. Like everything just fell apart so quickly. And then I remember like afterwards before going into my final run, I had to think like, okay, this is like the worst, like I was embarrassed of my performance. It was so bad. And I just, I just told myself like, I no longer want to even, compete to win I just want to go out and do a ride that I could at least sign my name to that I I could at least say like well here's me because I I was so far from even like coming to back it was like 
I couldn't climb all the way back to the top. I just wanted to climb out of the hole. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it was so interesting to to think about those two different performances and how I was still like internal on both of them, but how the thinking really got to me in the one that really took me negative um, way more so than obviously the one where I, where I won the world championship. So I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. How would you say that we could set our brains up to, I don't know, to avoid that, like, uh, the negative self-talk or the kind of stay in that, in that optimal state? Yeah, good question. And, you know, we've grappled with this over the years in terms of, you know, what's the best way. And we've kind of pigeoned it in terms of what we call a flow mindset, you know, so there's the stuff I talked about earlier, like in the moment, how do we regulate our attention to be focused on relevant stuff? But all of that's kind of well and good, but the cards will come tumbling down if the foundation isn't strong. And the foundation being, you know, our mindset, what we're focused on, what's our agenda, what's important to us leading up to it, how we've prepared and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and in your example that you've said, that second one, you seem to be focused on what you could control. You were focused on your kind of your level of mastery you're focused on your performance and what it meant to you and how you want to sign off and uh, your signature and and so forth rather than the other one you were focused on um you know all this kind of like uh, i want I'm, i'm comparing myself to other people it's more sort of i guess what psychologists would call sort of ego orientated approach to achievement where there's this sort of um comparison and then there's outcomes we put in outcomes i need to do i need to do well or i need to get this position or i need to be better than that person and then in comes the fear of oh well, what happens if i don't and then in comes the expectation of oh i i really need to do this now because otherwise um that fearful outcome is going to happen and it's, when all that kind of comes in suddenly our attentional bandwidth gets choked our ability to perform takes a dive because we become tight and we're, we're not loose and using our muscles as we can and and then we kind of if that builds and builds and builds we then kind of move to oh maybe I um you know maybe I've got some excuses here or um you know maybe I've got an injury so I'm never going to be at my best or and we start to create these sort of like slightly avoidant situations um, where we're we're trying to be avoidant, even though we might be engaged, and it kind of leads to overall. If you do this over time, it leads to what we call these kind of like maladaptive patterns, where we 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 learn to still engage and do stuff and compete, but we're kind of learning it in a bad habit, in a bad way. Um, and ultimately, what that leads to is, first of all, it's, it's like it's not fun. <laughs> It's pretty, it's pretty dissatisfying. And then if we do actually do well, because we're just so well trained that it just happens to be, we kind of like get this relief at the end of it. It's like, oh, thank God that's over. Okay. <laughs> There's not this like, like major joy and kind of like reward about it. There's just this like, phew, okay. I kind of, I survived. I put in my, my game and... Right. What, what next? 
you know, and, and I guess the, the opposing approach to that is this more kind of focus on, on learning and growing. And we, we use this phrase sort of learn, grow, flow, right? We're, I'm focused on, you know, what in, in this moment, how can I be a better person? How can I be a better athlete? How can I be a better competitor? How can I be a better speaker? How can I be a better kayaker? Whatever it is. Um, and so we kind of, we start to look at, okay, in this moment, I'm going to focus on my performance. I'm going to focus on just laying down what I want to do here, regardless of what everyone else, this is my plan and this is how I'm going to lay it down. And then instead of kind of expectation and fear, we get this sort of excitement because this moment's like an opportunity to kind of reproduce our training and to, it's a catalyst for kind of like bringing a whole load of stuff we've been working on together. And then instead of pressure being a problem that might take us away from the outcome that we want, suddenly the pressure becomes a privilege because it's, it's actually going to help us, you know, kind of bring it all together and allow our body to be aroused and, and amped and in the moment. And um, it's going to help us be more present. So suddenly we kind of look forwards to those pressure situations and, and then we're, we're creating adaptive patterns, but good habits. And then when we, do get into it, which often when we're in that sort of framework, it leads towards flow. Um, we kind of get this deep and deep joy from it. We're like, yeah, that was, you know, whether we're first or third or 15th, we're just kind of like, that was awesome. I, I love that you're saying that because in, in my personal experience, that's always, that's where I've always had my best performance and experience when I'm just like not worried necessarily about the outcome. And I'm just like, I'm just going to go do my own thing. And I'm just going to go do either the ride that I want to do or the line that I want to do. And I'm not worried about everybody. I'm not worried about, you know, the competition or the cameras or the judges or whatever, whatever's going on. I'm just going to do my thing. And, and I'm going to be stoked because I'm doing it because I want to do it. And I, I've kind of like not studied sports psychology in, in any regards to the depth that you have, but, but I've, you know, done a bit of studying on it and, and read a fair amount of books on sports psychology just because I, I find it very intriguing. Um, and I find there being a mixed bag of people saying like, like what you're saying, where we're just kind of like focus on your performance instead of the outcome. But then you hear other people say like, no, you, you need to be focused on if you want to win, you need to be focused and, and like visualize yourself, you know, winning, visualize yourself on the podium, visualize like whatever, and, and just be so utterly focused on, you know, the, the championship or the title or, or whatever it might be, or, or just winning in general. Um, and I, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I could be putting, you know, words in, in someone's mouth here, but, but I feel like that's something like even in watching the last dance a little bit, like, um, Michael Jordan seemed very focused on winning. Like that was like very much a driver for him. And, and, um, and I think there's, there's been a lot of people out there that say that it, now in actuality, maybe it is all about the winning and the title and the championships for them. Or maybe it's more about the performance and they're just not very good at explaining, well, it was the performance that enabled me to win that I was really focused on. Um, but yeah, I, I find there being kind of a mixed bag there. And, and, and I just like what you're saying only because that's personally where I feel like I've gotten my best performances is when I'm focusing on my performance, focusing on like, 
more doing it because I want to or the joy or or whatever versus the outcome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's a really interesting space, um, you know, what we're talking about now. And, you know, I, I often ask myself the question, would Michael Jordan have been happy if he scored, you know, two points and his team won? Right. Um, I, I'm not sure he would have been that happy if that was right. the case. Um, and, um, you know, we there's nothing wrong with winning, you know, like um, it's important to have a clear vision, a clear signpost of where am I going? You know, what's my ultimate aim here? And what's um, and but there's I guess there's two ways to focus on winning, right? There's winning to to be better than other people. And there's winning to kind of become the master of my sport, to be the best, to be the best that I can be. I, I like that you say that. And, and, and I, and I don't mean to, inter, to interrupt there, but I just wanted to add that you can win without mastering your sport. Do you know what I mean? Cause it, what, what you're saying again, like I've had the, the experience of winning and not feeling accomplished or stoked or anything. Cause I, I had, you know, a lackluster performance and I was still able to win, but it, it just, it didn't, there was no real joy. It was very hollow because I was like, well, yeah, I won, but I really didn't do that well. And so, so I think you're totally right where there, there is like the winning to be the best. There's the winning to win or there's the winning to push yourself to rise to, to the occasion almost. Yeah. You know, and if MJ is listening to this, I'd, you know, I'd love <laughs> to have a, a, a chat with you about it. But because, um, you know, I, I've never spoken to him and I don't like sort of assuming what other people might be thinking or feeling. And um but, you know, just as you said, like we can use extrinsic means like the police to run up the wall. Um, we can use the opposition and we can use banter in the sporting arena to kind of get us to up our game, um, to kind of get that arousal up and to get us to kind of be the best that we can be. But when when that motive of kind of I just need to quash the other person becomes higher than us wanting to be our best um, then we start to kind of get anxious and over anxious and it starts to tighten our performances and uh, and for some people who have a shed load of talent right you can still win and get by doing that but will you be at your optimal best probably right. not but for most people who are kind of like at the same level of talent as the other competitors or the other people they're kind of you know what's separating people is that mental ability distractions all that kind of fear-based stuff that just makes you sort of be cautious on that paddle or um or just just hold back a little bit and you know reduce your commitment from 100% down to 80 or whatever um we gotta you know it's really important to kind of get rid of all that stuff and um you know but certainly the old traditional approach to kind of sport right and it went into business and all the rest of it was was win 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 you know no winning at all costs no pain no gain and you know all that all that kind of push harder make it happen and um all those messages you know that we hear it's people of our age have you know been brought up with right um and i think like science and studies are pretty clear now that you know that can create short-term compliance it can create results 
in certain circumstances but it it um it rarely creates the best performance and it also almost never creates an enjoyable awesome experience and uh and 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 what i kind of find interesting is when we focus on that kind of that growth mastery personal performance or all the rest of it actually our standards for performance are higher you know because we're we're just not it's not about winning and i've played crap but it doesn't matter because everyone else was even worse and i've got the trophy you know it's like hang on no i i want to be at my optimal best okay yeah i won but i wasn't in the zone i wasn't like um i i know i I can do way better than that um so our focus actually becomes our standards become way higher our kind of our desire to kind of move the sport on if we're right at the top of it or our desire to kind of um reach beyond ourselves in our own ability and grow and kind of take that next step um is sort of continued almost all the time if we're focused on finding our flow so um you know it's not to say that that kind of win 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 there's not a place for it you know like you know certainly like if we're just having a really crap day right and we're um we're you know maybe we're ill or hung over or for we're just so distracted with something else in our life that it's just so difficult to kind of perform you know just kind of that sort of cbt short-term compliance just push harder push 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 can kind of get us through a tight spot um and um but it's you know and and again we'll feel that relief and we'll feel that sort of uh, I've, I've just made it i've done enough um but it's not going to get us to our kind of optimal best interesting i i i couldn't agree more and and yeah i i just i don't know it's 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 an amazing thing talking about flow. And I guess the other thing too, is that everybody kind of has their own experience of what flow is. And it probably to each, I mean, maybe to each and and everyone, there's a different way to kind of get into that flow. And, and maybe, I, I'm not sure, but maybe for some people it is that like, just that, I don't know, the drive to win is what gets them into that flow state or maybe for others maybe it's it's just uh to do their best or maybe for others it's i don't know more of a zen practice whereas someone else it can be like more of an adrenaline feel i I definitely know that i've I've been to starts of races before and stuff like that and and people be like oh let's all let's get amped like get pumped up and i'm and i'm thinking in my head like dude, I'm trying to calm down. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, so I think, yeah, probably for, for everybody, there's just a different version of maybe what flow is for them and and maybe how they can kind of tap into it as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's why I find working in this space so fascinating. And, you know, you've got, like you said, you've got some people listening to sort of like hardcore rap, you know, or like heavy metal, like anger kind of related, like really kind of, pumping themselves almost so they just sort of see red and they can kind of blot out all the thoughts that are trying to creep in. And then, and then they know they're used to kind of performing in that space so they can kind of, they can operate there. Or there's other people, you know, like yourself who like to sort of, I guess, be more uh, 
pure may not be the right word, but sort of likes to just sort of calm down and clean everything out and 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 work from sort of within. And um, so there's definitely different strategies, right, in terms of how to get into that pocket. And like I said earlier, those sort of those two main channels to finding flow, that kind of challenge and that high motivation, focusing on winning will will tick those boxes you know um but in terms of like trying to create a sustainable mindset that's going to find it frequently um is uh you know it's probably best to tweak that orientation towards winning um you know as to why we're wanting to win and so focusing on winning you know can certainly tick those boxes right you know create that high challenge and that that high level of motivation and it doesn't always need to be coming from the most ethically moral pure place in the moment but certainly if we want to kind of find flow sustainably and repeatedly and find deeper states of flow and uh, finding it in other areas of our life it can help to sort of pivot the orientation around winning um, towards that kind of more self-mastery perspective and um, you know, those individual preferences, uh, contexts, you know, we've all grown up in different contexts, different cultures, have different coaches, different practical uh, tools. And we pick those up along the way and they kind of make us feel comfortable. And in that comfort, we're able to trust. Um, so sometimes, you know, we, it, the lesser of two evils, so to speak, or, you know, a little bit of comfort isn't bad, even if it's not ideal. Um, because it's lays a foundation of trust to then step forward. So, you know, it can be quite an individual process, which is, you know, why I always recommend people, you know, training for flow, right? You know, and integrating into their practices and finding what works for them. And obviously there's sort of tried and tested stuff that works generically. Um, but there's always this sort of customization process. So, so in, in talking about coaching and, and talking about training for flow, you actually have uh, a couple courses online at, at your flow center. Can you just kind of explain a little bit about what that is and what it entails and, and maybe for, for our listeners that want to train for flow state? Yeah. So part of our mission is to kind of um, bridge sort of science and practice, if you like. So we've got this sort of free what is flow sort of mini course, if you like. So if anyone's sort of still confused from my babbling as to what flow is, <laughs> you can you can go on to um, the what is flow and get, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a, an hour or a couple of hours of, of info to digest. Um, and that gives you a real good picture of what flow is. And then we we have our kind of two main courses, which is the flow certificate and then the flow diploma. The flow certificate's like our introductory course. And if you're kind of interested, don't want to spend a whole lot of money, but want some practical skills to kind of integrate today, tomorrow, um, it's perfect. You know, perfect for most athletes out there. And for those then are sort of super interested and want to take it to the next level, we've then got the flow diploma, which is basically handing over everything we know about flow. And, it, you know, we go into the theory, we practice from day one, we're working with each other and, and then feedbacking and, you know, it's really kind of integrative into your life and generally people come out of it with their whole life kind of changed. Um, 
and it's, it's almost i guess like a postgrad in performance psychology you know chucked in there as well so it's it's an awesome course um but it, you know it's definitely more advanced it's you know it's like a seven it's over seven weeks um but can still be done you know when people are working full-time or whatever um and we got a, another course to train people to become coaches um and you get accredited by the international coaching federation but there's so there's i guess there's like this inter introductory course and finding flow and then this advanced course and finding flow and um and i get what we try to do is just make it um simple practical and applied and uh and so far it's it's got good feedback and hopefully we're hitting that hitting that mark awesome well, for anybody out there that wants to check out Cameron's courses on flow, I will have the links in the show notes, whether you are just interested for your own personal aspects as an athlete or whether you want to kind of get into the more advanced stuff or the coaching as well. Um, I just know for me personally, uh, working with Cameron has been incredible and his knowledge is obviously extensive. And yeah, it, I also just find the whole concept of flow very intriguing and, and actually it just in talking about flow, uh, our, our interview is kind of running on cause I feel like I could talk about this for, for hours. Um, so I'm going to kind of take us on to the next segment of our show and, and just ask a couple quick questions that I ask all of our guests, uh, for the section that I call the fire round. Cameron, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? Oh, there's so many, um, <laughs> so many, the one, uh, I, you know, that kind of comes to mind and I'm probably going to bastardize it here, but do, you know, do not what the world needs, do what makes you come alive because what the world needs are more people that come alive. Wow. And, that's uh, that's always a constant reminder, you know, cause throughout my day and throughout, I'm sure everyone else's day, you've, you've always got these like forks in the road right of do what i should have to what i think other people want me to do and um and certainly in terms of a career you know and my lifelong work um you know really what the world need are more purpose people making meaning in the planet and driven by what they love and uh but often it's it's normally justified away um because it's not important enough or whatever and uh and most of yeah most of the great careers and and uh explorations and scientific innovations all come from um people following their what what makes them tick i love that i absolutely love that um cameron what might be a lesson that you've learned recently whether it be through a mistake or through success um There's lessons every day. The one that's coming to me is um, don't hide, you know, like I've been pissed off recently with an interaction, you know, with my partner and um, I've just kind of gone back into my shell and tried to sort of process it and deal with it. And as a result, that's ended up, you know, me sort of creating distance and anger and passive aggressive. And basically my experience hasn't been great. And, uh, you know, this is only a small thing, but ultimately that then changes how I work, how I, all the rest of it. And I think there's so many situations where, um, 
if I just sort of sit with it in the face of whatever's going on um, and just be brave enough to kind of be vulnerable and work through it, you know, whether that's, you know, improving my technique in something or whether that's a, an emotional conversation, it, it always ends up better. Um, so uh, be brave, stop hiding. I love that. Great, great advice there. Um, do you have a favorite book or, or maybe even in particular a book on flow um, or, or a current book that you might be reading? Um, favorite book on flow, you know, is probably Csikszentmihalyi's uh, Finding Flow. Um, it's with flow, you know, I'm writing one or several at the moment and it seems to be taking a million years for it to come out. Um, but they, they seem to be kind of either too sort of sensationalized and, and veer away from actually what flow is, or they seem to be a bit too sort of dry and academic. Um, so it's difficult to really recommend good ones, but, um, a book that kind of changed my thinking around things is a little book called the inner game of tennis by timothy galloway and he created um the inner game of golf and the inner game of business and the inner game the same book written lots of different times and uh and it was it's kind of like a sports psychology 101 um and it's really thin you know you can kind of chew through it over a week or whatever and uh you know it's a great book for people to pick up it's certainly kind of it was the beginning of my kind of thinking around all of this. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend that. Awesome. I'll definitely check that one out as I have not read that one yet. Um, and I'm, I'm always looking for a new good book on flow. So that'll be amazing. Um, Cameron, if you could go back in time to any time throughout your life and give yourself one piece of advice, what might it be? Patience, be patient. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm certainly, I like to seize the moment and kind of uh, and get stuff done, but there's often this sort of value and strength that comes with just sitting on stuff, you know, just not acting and just sleeping on it, just waiting a week, you know, and there's so many times in my life I've kind of, and then a week later I've gone, oh, actually, no, we're going this way. So suddenly all of that hard work isn't, <laughs> isn't worthwhile. Um, so, patience. you know, having a bit, yeah, having sort of patience around things, um, you know, time seems to kind of make things clearer, solve most problems and, and, uh, and trusting in that a bit more. Yeah. It's, it, patience is also something that I, uh, regularly am, am working on. I feel like I have been working on it for some time and I continually need to work on it. And, and I think parenting too, uh, reminds me how much I need to continually work on my patients. Um, so yeah, also something I, I'd probably continue to remind myself about. Um, Cameron, if you were to leave this earth today and all that you've done, all of your videos, your Ted talk, your online courses, your books, everything was to go with you and all that you were left was a piece of paper and a pen and you could leave three truths, three things that you believe to be true. What might they be? Um, your experience matters. 
And, you know, by that, I mean, when we close our eyes for the, even at night, at the end of the day, or for the last time, um, ultimately, our, kind of the chain of our subjective experiences determine whether the day was worthwhile or our life was worthwhile. And, and those, those individual experiences are our experience in the moment. And unless we're prioritizing and actively shaping that, then, um, you know, we're, we're, it's very easy to get to the end of a life and think, I wish there was a uh, <laughs> second chance or I wish this wasn't, you know, um, it felt like a rehearsal. So our experience matters, I think, is um, kind of sums that up. Maybe that sums up three points, but, um, you know, that's a sort of a, a massive one. And um, I guess another truth is that um, we... the world around us is really a mirror of the world within us in the sense that, um, you know, how I might treat myself is often how I treat other people. Um, what I see around me and, um, prosperity and the, all that kind of stuff is generally a reflection on what I believe is possible and, uh, what I believe that I want to do and, um, and, uh, uh, you know, there, there's this sort of mirror effect that seems to happen at quite a deep level that, you know, I'm constantly reminded of. Um, and I guess lastly, in terms of the truth is that we always have a choice in whatever situation, whatever it is, even if we're in a concentration camp, you know, we've even got a choice of what our experience is, um, and we'll, we are actively choosing every millisecond, every second, every minute, every day to think something, to feel something, to focus our attention somewhere on something. Um, and the more we realize we have a choice in all of this, the more empowered we become to kind of shape it towards what we want. That's amazing. Those are all very powerful messages right there, Cameron. Thank you so very much for sharing that. Something that I always try to do uh, at the end of my show as well is I want to add value as much as I can to my guests. So is there anything, Cameron, that you're working on right now that that I could possibly help you with or, or my, my listeners? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, there's um, probably a longer conversation, but, um, but I'd really like to sort of... Um, you know, we're creating this sort of find your flow book and I'd really like to um, put it into kind of the, the water context. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think we could team up on that and with your ex practical experience and so forth, it could be really interesting. And, um, and also I think you just talking about your flow experiences and, um, and how just thinking around it has, helped or hindered you know either way um just talking more about it it's so easy for most of us to kind of talk about it every now and again or just sort of and because we don't really understand it we tend to not talk about it a lot and there's so many missed opportunities there for so many people um you know that could that could certainly help awesome well i, I would love to 
help out with that uh, and participate or, or do whatever I can um, to, to help you with that and add value. So most definitely let's connect offline and I will see what, whatever I can do to help you with that. But it sounds very interesting. So I, I would be, um, I'd be, I'd find it joyful to partake. So thank you for the opportunity. Um, Cameron, thank you so very much for joining me today. This has just been an amazing conversation. I always very much enjoy getting to talk with you. And, and like I said earlier, I, I feel like I go down the rabbit hole and, and, uh, and I could talk with you for hours about flow and, and the state of flow and just everything. But for all of our listeners out there that also enjoy this, want to connect with you further or just follow along your journey, what might be the best way for someone to connect with you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, either type Cameron Norsworthy flow into Google and I'll pop up or, um, or go to theflowcenter.com is probably the best way. We are going through a rebrand at the moment and the website will change to flowcenter.org. Um, but, um, you know, we, we give sort of like some free tips to finding flow on an email or, and the site itself is a huge resource. There's a massive library of like, um, over sort of 400 pieces of literature on flow that people can delve into and free videos and all the rest of it. So, um, um, yeah, jump on the website. I think it's the the easiest place. Awesome. I will definitely also have links for that in the, the show notes. Um, final question for you, Cameron, what is your definition of awesome? Coming alive. I think, you know, when I typically say, oh man, that was awesome. Or this is awesome. It's kind of like when people are shining, when or something shined or there's this, like someone's come alive and they've like produce something like really creative or the experience has just made us all feel so amazing that we kind of we come out of our own skins and um there's just this sort of exuberance of life i love that awesome well thank you so very much cameron for joining me again this has been just a phenomenal conversation and always enjoy our time together For all of our listeners out there, I hope you guys got a ton of value out of this, both from Cameron's insight and his experience, as well as all of his free tools on his website, on the Flow Center, the courses that he's got. And if you guys did get value out of this, please share it out with someone. Share it out with a friend or a family member. Throw it up on your social media. Um, All of this would be greatly appreciated as I'm trying to build our community and collective as a whole, as well as just kind of share out this message um, as I personally find Flow so amazing and Just love uh, talking about it and and sharing this out. So please, if you guys could share it out, that would be greatly appreciated. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you guys all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.